Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Outkick 360 and the Friday edition is here alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, David Reed, Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny, a great cast and crew. Gentlemen, good morning. I like how you've gone to Sleepy Danny and not Sleepy Dan. It was originally Sleepy Dan. It's morphed into Sleepy Danny. Who cares? Bottom line is if you fall asleep, we call you whatever the hell we want. That's right. That's what uh, Danny's finding out right now. Paul, welcome in on this Friday. You look Thank great. Thank you. Thank you. Quick message to everyone. We love our mothers. Chad and I love our wives who are mothers. That's the extent of our Mother's Day message. <laughs> uh, driving in, I already heard somebody previewing that they were going to talk about their favorite sports uh, memories with their mothers. That's crap. It's lazy. It's boring. We won't do it. Onward. Favorite sports mothers <laughs> coming up in today's second hour. Not going to happen. I mean, so, so utterly lazy. I don't even want to spend any time on it. Boys, I have to move. I have to move. Remember one time, was it Super Bowl in uh, Miami? Where, where were we going to a Super Bowl that I lived in, uh, you lived in West it? Mead in Nashville, yeah. which is a leafy suburb, uh, leafy section of Nashville that was not right for me. I, uh, we wound up there because uh, John Rich the uh, diminutive, untalented country music quote-unquote star drove me out of my uh, drove me out of my uh, Nashville neighborhood. The diminutive, untalented country star yeah. is such a great star, way to describe someone. Star uh, drove me out of my neighborhood, and uh, we had to move. And the best place we found was in Westmead, which wasn't the right place for us. But I actually lived in a place where one tree downed by a storm prevented me from leaving town which was a terrible, terrible development. A friend of mine actually said, you live in a place where one down tree can prevent you from leaving town, which was a I want to say it was New Orleans revelation. Super Bowl that this happened. I think it was New Orleans. So I was a day was late earlier. to New Orleans because I had to wait for yeah, you the had city to, meet us there to clean up us. this tree. Yeah. Well, today I found myself, I hope Jacob is ready. I, I, got, out of, I got out of my area. But I was behind this, and, and this is not something that I can be behind where I live. This is not something I can live behind. This was going 20 miles an hour down a major thoroughfare in my neighborhood. Those, I, I cannot have this. For those listening, Paul, Paul calls this thing a tractor. <laughs> Uh, is what he's referring it to. It cannot be on the main road. It has to be on what the back road. What road is this that this you're on? This is uh, Wilson Pike. Wilson Pike, okay. This is a major road. Pretty main thoroughfare in Williamson yes. County. Yes. For sure. This thing is going 15 miles an hour backing up traffic. I can't have it. I won't have it. Well, the hope is that they <laughs> that they had to go one street down. That, that would be uh, the He ultimately moved to the shoulder. But then 
Put it back on, please, Jacob. He put he moved over to the shoulder about uh, half a mile after that. But then this yeah. white car, can we identify the make of this white car? This white semi-station wagon. I think more like a Hyundai. Uh, it, it was reluctant to pass the guy even after he moved over in a message of urgency of for thing. us to move this, over. This foreign object. They're, very they thinking, delicate. Is this, is this part of the Chinese rocket that's fallen to yes. the States? What is this? Well, this I'm, I'm not familiar with this, this in Williamson County. This white car is then like, oh, I don't know if I could pass this guy in the shoulder. There's a car coming in opposing traffic. It could be a very dangerous move for me to go by him. <laughs> to which, of course, I slam on the horn. Uh, ridiculous. I don't know if if you're not avoiding tractors in Brentwood, I'm not sure where you're going to move unless it's the Gulch. That's what to I'm avoid saying. A tractor. Is, you got to move is, downtown now. This is fine. The migration's going back to the city. This is fine where either of you live. I can't have it where I live. I'm totally fine with that. I've I've driven a tractor on the road before <laughs> uh, in order to move equipment. It's embraced. It's embraced for your equipment. Film, Absolutely. Um, Can't happen where I am. And, and this is compounding my day. I have, I have a nerve. I'm, I'm seizing the beginning of the show. I'm nervous today because Simon, um, at Simon's school, um, what they do is they have a race in each class. So his fifth grade class has a race. And then the winner of that race advances to the field day race as the fifth grade representative. And he has that race today. Now, last year he won that race, not last year, I guess two years ago, he won that race narrowly against his friend Asher. Well, Asher's quite an athlete, a soccer player and a basketball player. He lives down the street and around the corner from us. And I'm a little nervous for young Symes, whose game is speed. And so, uh, you know, 4.30 when he gets home today, I'm afraid I'm going to see a disappointed Simon. Uh, having lost to Ash, we're going to go ahead and make this. Nervous. We're going to go ahead and make this whole first segment about you because so, you started the program last night. Okay, you told us this before the show. First Not, off, give us your review of the program. I was I'm only halfway through, and I want to give it uh, a full go. But I found it rather boring. You said slow. Slow. You found the program slow. You scare me, Joe. The tennis player says after one date with Joe, who takes her. On a motorcycle to a dirt field and makes a big jump. You scare me, Joe. So Paul has, comes in and admits that he's scared about his son's speed on this show. <laughs> and then, let me, let me rephrase, for those who haven't seen the program, his chief complaint with the show is that the tennis player, in one date, <laughs> claims that she's scared of Joe. Mind you, after on the way to dinner, Joe nearly kills her on a motorcycle and goes crazy flying on jumps and everything else. Just one jump. And she nearly dies, Jeez. and she admits that Joe scares her, but yet that's not a reason to be afraid, according to Paul. Please explain. Yeah, it's, Paul, your a, it's, it's an accelerated plot setup where Joe's supposed to be some brooding so tough guy, which is So is it slow or is it an accelerated no. plot? Like, I've never heard any one person, now you've got me mad to start, yeah. that <laughs> describes the program as slow. Nothing's like, happened. You could in say this poorly film. acted, you could say contrite. You could say, well, not contrite, you could say that it's uh, overly <laughs> stereotypical about you know, college sports or whatever, that it's predictable. Slow? I've watched half this film. Here's what's happened. This guy jumped the, jumped the thing with the motorcycle. Which the girl should not be afraid of. The, the, roid, the roid guy find out he's in his starting lineup and he smashed several windows with his head. And, Very uh, realistic. And Omar Epps showed up to campus. That's what's happened. He carried a football around. 
more than that has happened. That's what happened. It's a, 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 for a movie like this, which I could be pulled into. Have they, play, they played games, Nothing. right? They played one game. One game. They played Mississippi State, I believe, to open the season. One game. This guy's not winning the Heisman. I hate to break it to you. Things are, gonna, things are going to crumble. Kane is able. Things are going to crumble very predictably. It's, it's So far, uh, it's I not just, good. But I didn't want to. I said, let's wait till Monday after I see this whole thing. And I'll give you a better, more well-rounded I mean, thing. You and are don't such be critical a of me. Of don't be critical of me not having finished the film, I, though I committed to it, and I will watch the whole film. Lance Lee over here didn't make it further than the damn trailer. He was going to come in and support me, and he didn't make it more than the trailer. Okay, well, Lance Lee said. I, I also thought it was a little slow watching the trailer, who then told us about the value of the young Pope afterward, after we were saying we stopped it because it was so slow and so bad, but Paul continued it. I mean, I, again, the roller coaster of contradictions coming from this side of our set right now is incredible. And I put Lance Lee on that side of the set, too. I split the production in I get Lance. In slow. I get Lance and you get Jacob. And, I was so, and Hutton gets no one because there's no one in I the middle. I was so, Paul, expecting you to come in and say, this is James Caan's worst role. He's, he mailed it in role. in this role. Uh, the acting is bad. The acting it's is so bad. you're going to go into like the, the, oh, the stereotypical Southern college football fan. I thought you were going to go. The girls, and your take bad. on the program was it's slow. <laughs> it is slow. It's slow, and your take is that you're mad. The girl said, "Joe, you scare me after nearly Joe. being murdered on the back of a motorcycle." Let's, let's get the camera. On drunk, me. by the way, Joe Kane's drunk on the motorcycle. Joe, is a problem. Joe, you scare me. That's how oh. she said. It. You scare me. I took I took it more as scary because. She's she knows she could fall for him pretty quickly because he's oh, such a daredevil. Yeah, daredevil, and, and not not because they're jumping on the, and because he's so brutal. Because she's about to die. He's my a dream. Father, he's a dreamboat too. My he's father, an attractive man. My father told me never to get on a motorcycle. I mean, I, I just I don't know I don't know where to go when you say that the program is. I can't I can't talk. Do you about think it's a movie with great? Pe- do you think it's a movie? This with is great like pace? when David Reeds uh, yesterday said someone in the YouTube chat was so unintelligent that he didn't know how to address them. I don't know how to talk about cinema with you anymore. That you think the program is slow. slow. Like of all the descriptions, I thought you were going to come in with slow. Do you think it's a movie with great pace? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's nonstop. It's a movie on roids. Yeah, I mean, it's literally no. like. A 90-minute thrill ride of football and sex and alcohol There's been no and sex. drug addiction no and sex uh, ad- uh, violence. Like, that's the whole movie. No it's just sex. a 90-minute No sex, ride. yeah. What is on going with my hair? I get mad and my hair's doing something weird. I don't there's, like it on there's, camera. Uh, there's been no sex yet. A Jacob, fix my hair. Right. A lot of guys who can't pass tests. Uh, oh, my God. One guy, one, guy, minute. one guy who needs to be read to. That's a, that's a fascinating <laughs> plot element. Alvin Mack can't read. I mean, there's so much going on. This is, you just brought up Alvin Mack. It's funny when you see where Alvin Mack's out. going through the film study and talking about. He knows everything. He's brilliant. Yeah. Kill the quarterback. Hit the running back so hard his girlfriend feels it. He's going through every scenario. It's great. The best thing about Chad getting worked up is he turns into Dan Dockage. <laughs> the voice comes the voice out. Voice does go when up. When you get up there, you get into get, Dan Dockage territory. Again, I was fully expecting you to come in and say the movie sucks, but for way different reasons than it's slow. Well, I'm going to finish it up this, this weekend when everything's rained out again. I'll, I'll be watching. Paul, I if think it's game you, day, it's raining. I think that you are affected more by the mood you're in 
or your level of exhaustion when you watch something than anyone else. Because when I hear that it's slow, what I'm thinking is you were slow at the time. Like you were at a time of day where you're winding down, your mind's not going as fast, you're probably looking at your phone too. No, actually, you didn't was fully invest. You didn't I fully did invest. fully invest. Teresa said she was going to sleep at the time. She said, Is this one of those dumb movies that you're obligated to watch that was on that dumb list? I said, Yes, sweetheart, it is. What else is on that list? Well, she listened to the list of the five movies yesterday oh. while she was participating in our show, like one of our best listeners. Is this one of those movies? One, one of those slow one films? Of those one of those movies. dumb, dumb movies. Those movies. <laughs> She's Me- using the term. Bob Wire is up next, honey. <laughs> meanwhile, mean- meanwhile, Paul... Paul's I don't gonna, think that's a good movie either. Paul's going to come in on Monday and tell us how Nomadland was a thrill a minute. So fast, the pacing of that and film. No, it's very slow. I've very. resisted Nomadland. Gosh, Land it's like every Francis McDormand hit. It's so fast. <laughs> I've resisted Nomadland because of its pacing, and I'll tell you the one with Tom Hanks reading the newspapers was very What was slow. the other one that you came in and talked about, uh, the, the Promising Young Woman? That's a good movie. How's the pacing? It's a good pace. Good pacing. Very good pace. Is it faster Didn't than one the of program? You see that? Very good film. <laughs> All right. Nope. nope. You nope. should watch right, you that. You know what? I'm going to watch that now. You know why you're not going to watch it? You know why you're not going to watch it? Costs a few pennies, a few shekels. Claire, Claire has been wanting to see what? Promising Young Woman, <laughs> the name of it? Yeah. She's been wanting to see this. All right. I sign that to you guys this week, and we'll talk about the pacing of that next week. I'll I'll watch it. I'll, I'll give an honest assessment cinematic of it, pacing conversation. I guarantee you, my we were promising young woman on Outkick 360. I guarantee you, my assessment won't be something like the program is slow. Of all the things the program is, some could argue bad. I argue great. Slow is not one of them. <laughs> it ain't great. Slow is not one of them. So you mentioned uh, Simon. Uh, participating in what I would call field day, but well, uh, this is a race to qualify for field day. Okay. Um, very random here, but it's tying into Albert Pujols and no longer being with the Angels, being released. Is Albert Pujols, whenever I was Simon's age, I had Mark McGuire and King Griffey Jr. posters on my wall at home. And I, until probably 10 years ago, my parents kept them up there. If you went to the stay shot. at the house, they were there. Um, is Albert Pujols the last MLB player that's been like posterized in kids' bedrooms? Because he was a rookie, he was rookie of the year in 2001, and like that was kind of the turn of when you didn't put posters on your wall. We were anymore. coming off the steroid era. It was right? no longer kind of still it was no longer sports on the wall. It, it went to like video games and everything else. From is there. there a little bit of Mike Trout in that or no? no? Mike Trout's got. I mean, you, that's why I'm Mike Trout's it up. the most like, anonymous does, superstar. Does Simon or any of his friends have athletes on their walls anymore? Simon's got like Trent Eagles, does not. My Eagles, does not. Eagles logos and like a, an eagle, you know, that's like in big pads bursting through something. That's his thing is like a, a cool logo. But he can't tell you who's on the Eagles beyond, yeah. beyond you know, a, a name or two. Um, well, so, I couldn't tell you the Cardinals lineup were like one through nine. I could tell you McGuire. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, McGuire and Griffey it's a, it's and Jay Buhner and all that. Like, it's a good question. It was, but they were like all over kids' bedroom walls growing up. You right? know who he'll tell you his favorite baseball player is an 11-year-old Otani because there's a fascination with the idea that a guy does yeah. both yeah. and because he's on these lists with Babe Ruth. You know, mm-hmm. It's something that hasn't happened since, since the 20s. Um, and I think that's a proper fascination. I share that fascination. Uh, here's a guy that's... 
hitting home runs three days a week and pitching the fourth day before he takes a day off. It's an extremely unique thing. But I don't think posters are a thing anymore. I think they are a thing, but I think it's more uh, Steph Curry. You know, I think there's plenty of Steph Curry posters up on walls across America. Tweet us. Does your kid have a poster? Well, but this uh, is more of a baseball Curry. issue to me. Like, yeah. you know, baseball players just aren't visible anymore. I mean, you mentioned Mike Trout, and I'm thinking, what kid is emotionally invested in Mike yeah, who's Trout the that most, doesn't live in Anaheim? You don't the, really yeah, know him. Who's right. the most most visible? Is it probably Aaron Judge because of the size? and he's. I think Ronald Acuna has a chance to be pretty visible. He could be. Honestly, because um, he's got that personality, Harper. too, that people like. Bryce Harper. Is yeah, he's known. He also wears that thing on his head, which yeah. kids relate to. But I mean, the the list is very short. Very short. You're right about basketball, and uh, and football to a degree. I mean, Brady, uh, Mahomes, Mahomes, Mahomes now with young sure. young people. I, I, what, just when I think of posters, <clears throat> right off the bat, I think about NBA stars. Well, right off the bat, As I think kid, about Farrah Fawcett. Well, it's the most visible <laughs> of the sports, right? Like you're more yeah. intimate with those players, you're closer. Mm-hmm. You see their face, so I, I, that the poster era, I think more of uh, Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, Grandmama, Larry Johnson than I do Albert Pujols, for instance. You well, know, but I, is there a Fortnite poster now? Probably that would be a hot seller if posters were a thing. Well, that's my point. Is like Pujols, like, and I only bring him up because last night they're showing. Uh, old Sports Center set highlights with Albert Pujols hitting home runs, and I'm thinking. Is there another player that's currently about to retire that could that you're going to need to go back to Olbermann and Dan Patrick to pull highlights from? I don't know if that guy exists. Anymore. This is the end of an era. Let me give you as uh, as he uh, leaves Major League Baseball. You bring up some good points. Let me give you an off the wall explanation of the, the literally off the wall explanation of posters and why you don't see as many of them. I think parents care more about the aesthetic of their kids' rooms. That's a very good point. than they ever have before. I, my parents never told me what to do with my room. Yeah, same here. I could put any posters on the wall. I could when I got bored I'd rearrange the mm-hmm. room, mm-hmm. put the bed in a different spot, I'd move the TV stand somewhere else. I did all these things and there was no input from my parents. And I look at like parents now and kids and their rooms are immaculate. And it's professionally designed, a lot of these kids' rooms. So I, I don't think yeah. you treat it like your living to, room. You design it like another room of the house. I think putting tax up on the wall and it's posters is just tape. done now because parents are different in how they treat their children's rooms. That's a great point. And maybe that's well, part of you it. You also have fat heads and things like that. If that it doesn't a, leave a yeah. thumbtack. But you're asking your parents for that now. Like when Simon got these low, Eagles logos, that's something he requested as opposed to something he saved up for and got. Or like I had Sports Illustrated that lined the entire Sports Illustrated covers that I had lining the entire thing around my room. And Springsteen and Nettles stuff, you know, up yeah. Springsteen and Nettles stuff that I, as a 52-year-old, have on my bookshelf. Well, I mean, how often did our parents, when we grew up in our in our respective eras, did they say something like, "That's going to hurt the resale value of the home"? <laughs> no, there was no reselling my home. My grandfather built the home I grew up in next to his house on our property in Mount Juliet for my family, and we weren't selling that home. We did whatever the heck we wanted to that house. There were holes in the drywall in the house because of kids playing around with five kids. Yeah. But now, I mean, you look at uh, the real estate market in Nashville is one example, but everyone is looking to move up or move down based on real estate markets. 
and what's going on. So I so think parents, a very good point. I'm having to tell my kids, hey, don't do that to the wall. Don't do that to the floor because mommy and daddy are going to want to sell this bad boy One in the next day. couple of years and move up. And that was never a thought when we were kids. Yeah. And Farrah Fawcett posters don't uh, exist today because you don't give your 13 year old something. It was more of a Kathy Ireland guy like that. in my, uh, my childhood. But yes, I know what you're saying. Yeah. That was a hot, I think that's probably the best selling poster of all time, Farrah Fawcett. Oh, yeah, the, the iconic. Red. Yeah, the iconic. It's up there. It was her, uh, Pamela Anderson in Baywatch was the other poster that all the kids wanted. Lance Lee shaking his head vigorously. Again, I said shaking his head. The Baywatch. Yeah. Bay- <laughs> Just to be clear. Famous Farrah Fawcett red swimsuit poster from anyone. 1976 sold over 12 million copies. That's 1976. That's a huge number. Well, gone are the days of going to any store and flipping through the poster. Spencer's, Spencer's Gifts was the one you'd go in and flip through all those posters. There's still a Spencer's Gifts. I was a sucker for that. If Cold I'm in a mall Springs. and they had one of those, I'm, it's like flip a magnet. It. I'm yeah. going right to it. Just like the CD store back in the day. If you're in the mall and you can go to the CD store, I'm going through all yep. the CDs. I was flipping through those posters. Uh, coming up, we get into a variety of topics, including Aaron Rodgers, and the news cycle where there's something new trickling out every single day with the Green Bay Packers quarterback. In fact, just to go full circle, this week there's now a story at Pro Football Talk about whether or not he's actually just going to show up and try to act as though everything's back to normal. (laughs) I mean, we're only a week into this discussion. I've also got a bigger picture journalism question to pose to Paul that's going to spark some discussion on what this Aaron Rodgers story tells us. Proper grooming requires precision-engineered tools, and we've got them for you through Manscaped.com. And the Lawnmower 4.0. That's oh, right. They send it in. Yes. It is here. It's available. There it is, the Lawnmower 4.0. Uh, Chad has not seen this yet, but it's the all-new trimmer. And the 4.0 just released, available at Manscaped.com. You're seeing it right now on your screen. With Manscaped, you have the right tools for the job. They obsess over providing the latest and best tech, advanced ceramic blade, and the skin-safe technology with this, Chad. Yeah, and it's got the LED spotlight, um, also the power status indicator. It's waterproof. The LED spotlight, very helpful. It was on the original. Now it's on the lawnmower 4.0 as well. And they're providing OutKick 360 season ticket holders with a great offer. 20% off. Always a nice uh, number on anything you're purchasing. Free shipping, which is a big key as well, with the code OK360 at manscaped.com. No nicks, no cuts, just a smooth shave. The all-new Lawnmower 4.0 released through Manscaped. 20% off and free shipping by using the code OK360 at manscaped.com. That's OK360 at manscaped.com. Outkick 360 live from Studio G in Nashville, Tennessee. Blackbird Studios is where we're located. The Blackbird Academy is where you can go to school if you're passionate about audio. Audio engineering, studio engineering. If you want to go on the road and help produce some of these mega concerts if you want to produce some of the best albums in the world uh, that happens right here at the Blackbird Academy. Over 14,000 square feet of rehearsal space. This place is hopping today as we walk through the halls to get into our studio 
Uh, someone's making a jam right now uh, down the hallway, Chad. I don't know if you heard this or not, uh, but uh, the Blackbird Studio gets it done, and you can go to school to work in a place just like this, theblackbirdacademy.com for more information. So much value on hands-on experience now with any vocation you want to be a part of, and that's what they do here. You're always a part of something at Blackbird Studios. Just like you said, there could be a Scandinavian death metal act performing <laughs> next to us. Right next to Dan and Shay, or that's some right. other big act that's out there that we've seen around the campus over the last few weeks. So it's really cool, and definitely take advantage of it if you're interested at all. Coming up, Paul's mom has uh, chimed in with the latest uh, review of the show that will be coming up <coughs> in about 20 minutes or so. VolQuest Power Hour today with Brent Hubs and Austin Price of VolQuest.com, the very latest from the Hill in Knoxville and the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers continues to be at the top of the news cycle across the National Football League. And just reading through the headlines late last night, early this morning, it's now circled back to where former teammates of his have said that they wouldn't be surprised if he's back with the Green Bay Packers. 70% chance, I believe, is what John Kuhn was saying, uh, former fullback within the offense. He's, he's saying, hey, 70% uh, chance I could see him back. He doesn't want the general manager fired which is a complete 360-degree turn on what we have seen from all of the news since the NFL draft last Thursday. Um, and th the question is what to believe and what not to believe because we have not heard from Aaron Rodgers. And uh, until we do, and I think that was Florio's point, until we do, we should just assume he's going to show up <laughs> and try to act like everything is, is going to be okay. I, I still think the breakup is happening, but... We, we've now gone to the point where we just report anything new that's out. I say we, as a media, sports media, just reports any bit of rumor that's out there as the latest gossip instead of what's the latest news. Well, we know something's up, or Aaron yeah. Rodgers could have easily squashed all of this and sure. said, I'm fine, I'm a Green Bay Packer, I'm planning on playing out my contract, or whatever. So we know something's going on with Aaron Rodgers and what's happening. But, Paul, a question I have for you on this, and I've been thinking about this as this story develops, and what exactly it means for this story to develop, because we're getting some anonymous sourcing on both sides of it, and now we're getting former players on the record, like John Kuhn, saying what he thinks. Brett Favre has interviewed about it, and you know that's a former teammate of Aaron Rodgers, saying what he thinks about the whole situation. You went to Columbia J School. If Columbia J School's teaching classes now in journalism, how much has it changed in terms of what accounts for journalism? And what I mean by that is not you know the rules that you abide by in, in your journalism and your reporting, right? And I'm sure they teach a lot of the same things, but I'm curious in a day and age where everyone's got a website, everyone can find, a lot of people can find anonymous sourcing, a lot of people can do reporting in a different way. I wonder how much the golden rule or how journalism is taught has changed, or has it? Well, I, I'll say, for starters, I'm not much of a believer in, uh, in journalism schools now uh, in, the, in the modern media. Um, and you know, m my best journalism education was undergrad, working at the Columbia Daily Spectator 40 hours a week doing it, not at graduate school where a lot of what I taught and learned I'd already kind of knew from hands-on experience. It, it, it was valuable, but it wasn't invaluable. Um, Why are you not a fan of journalism schools today? 
Well, I, uh, they're teaching for a landscape that they don't know what it is. Like, if you're teaching for what journalism is, wh wh what are you teaching for outlet-wise? <laughs> Um, you know, and what's it going to be three years from now or four years from now or five years from now or, or 20 years into your career, I think there's too much, uh, it's, it's too ever-changing to know what you're teaching You know well, exactly what for, you're being taught to do e when you Even were though the principles should remain the same, uh, and, uh, and I get that, but you can learn that without spending the, the tens of thousands of dollars it's going to yeah, cost you to go to a graduate school at Columbia or any, anywhere else. Well, I think, I think <clears throat> what, what has changed so much is the, the new cycle. You know, I, went to, I graduated in 2006, and the classes that were being taught then, this is pre-Twitter, you had time to go dig on sources and produce a story that was going to come out every 24 hours. And had all sides. Now it's literally every 24 seconds. And so every individual piece of news is, at, is an added layer to a tweet or a topic that is paid to get your attention, to get you to click, uh, to update a story or a link that has already been posted. That is the different news cycle today than what it was even 15 years ago, 20 years ago. That's what they're teaching today. You're, pay, you're, you're being taught to keep someone's attention. And, you know, some long-form, uh, you know, site, you know, the, the, use The Athletic as an example. If you go to The Athletic, it's going to tell you how long it's going to take you to read an article. <laughs> no one's going to, not many people are going to pay attention to an article that's going to take you 10 minutes to read. They want, you know, a, a, they want a tweet. Headline. They want 180 characters or less. I, they won't even read this story that they're commenting on. Uh, I, I think the readers need to be taught as much as the as the writers in, in a lot of ways. I mean, based on the the, the comments uh, I get. And somebody yesterday was asking me a question about uh, or, or asking Domofsky. They were in a fight with Domofsky, who's in the middle of reporting a lot of this Roger stuff, who covers the Packers for uh, ESPN. Somebody telling him, you know, you need to really delve into what anonymous sources mean because there are a lot of people who think anonymous sources means you don't know who they are. <laughs> How dumb is that? that? That people might think that an anonymous source means that a reporter doesn't know who the source is. I mean, that's, if that's what you're dealing with, you've got no hope. Well, it's before I feel like maybe 20, 25 years ago, an outlet would have a story, and then they would own the story. Mm -hmm. they, were the, they were the authority on whatever the report was, right. and they would continue sussing it out and reporting Because it. they had the source that had the information. But now, but now there's a, a report that comes out, and then what happens? Everybody matches Everyone else is trying to get their own little corner of ownership of the story. So, well, they got a quote from this person, or they got anonymous sources on this side, I'm going to go to this side. And now I'm an online outlet that's going to go to this side and get this layer of the story. And you get a situation like the Aaron Rodgers reports where he still hasn't spoken and the Packers haven't spoken since draft night. And it's just, it's, it's a death by a thousand cuts of media. Everyone's got their own little corner of the story and it's not one major outlet taking ownership of it. And I think there are some cases where that's a good thing. And you can get many more layers to a story. And in other cases, Paul, going back to sort of the golden rule of journalism, I do think that there are certain places that feel like we have to abide by a certain standard of what we report and what we say. 
And there are other ones that maybe at times are at an advantage because they don't feel that same way. Well, on this story, on the Aaron Rodgers story, you know, the question is how much is really new and how much is really news. So you've got John Kuhn hearing a little bit, and then who was it that came out, uh, you know, on the, on the other side with the 70% thing now. So are these people talking directly to Aaron Rodgers, or are they telling you what they think based on how well they know Aaron Rodgers? Now John Kuhn said 70% chance he thinks that he could be back. He could, he could be back. So, so you're hearing right. bits and pieces from people who know him, who may or may not be talking to him, and each person who chimes in is treated as a big deal, and it's largely to fill the vacuum. There's a vacuum now. Is Aaron Rodgers really saying anything? Is David Dunn really saying anything? Are the people in the Green Bay free agent uh, in front office really saying anything right now? Probably right now, after the draft, after the Packers have spoken post-draft, it's quiet. And so everybody wants to talk to people who have an informed opinion about this, and then we start treating those informed opinions as news, and it heads close to Hutton's favorite thing, where Mel Kuyper's draft flashes across the bottom of the screen, and ESPN treats that as news, which is absolutely not news. And you get closer to that and further away from parties that are involved in the story saying something, and that's where, Chad, I think what you're getting at becomes a thing. It's not really news. It's discussion about it being treated as news. And so a teammate or a former teammate who might be talking to Rodgers but might not be talking to Rodgers, expressing his opinion based on his knowledge of Rodgers, makes for interesting conversation, but we should delineate it. My brother, when he saw the movie JFK, Oliver Stone's movie, it was an interesting movie, right? But some of it was based on what we really knew. And some of it was based on what Oliver Stone wanted to believe. And it would have been great, my brother said, if there was a button in the corner that flashed green when it was factual and flashed orange when it wasn't factual. That'd be good here, right? Well, if it flashed green when it was stuff that we knew that's reported on the record and it's flashed yellow when it was somebody's opinion on what they thought about it. I just think, you know, going to like comparing the Favre to the Rodgers eras, we, I I think reporters knew the players a lot better then than they do now. Absolutely. And and, and that is because uh, every small breadcrumb of information, Chad, that these guys get, they immediately put out instead of having a conversation with somebody and actually going a layer or two deeper. They don't have time to do that anymore. Well, they're also, they don't have time, and those guys are inaccessible now for a couple reasons. One, social media is taking it away. So Aaron Rodgers, if he wants to, can put out a tweet that's far more impactful and directly from him. He doesn't have to worry about interpretation and all of that. Also, COVID now is taking away access. You can't hang but even with these players like it, it, we don't even know these players very well on social media because they don't say anything right. or do anything this, these pr staffs dumb it down to the point where they're all pretty much the same regurgitated quotes from every single player on a 53-man roster absolutely true but last year at the part where you put your notebook away and you could bs with the guy a little bit near his locker didn't exist so like last year's rookie right. class, I'm not talking about right. Rodgers, right. but those early stages where you get to know a guy in the locker room that pays off at this time was gone. And if they do it again this year, it's going to be two classes and two free agent classes worth of guys that reporters like me don't know at all. And that begins to unravel but the that's, whole thing. But that's why this 
when you hear Kuhn or James Jones, who works for NFL Network, who actually knows Aaron Rodgers, that's why when they speak on oh, this, it is news because these dudes actually know him. Half of these reporters that are tweeting this mess out don't know either side of this. Right, but then you have to judge uh, not just Kuhn. I'm saying on a personal know, level. But then you have to judge Kuhn and Jones not just on how well they know Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, but how loose are they with what they, uh, their opinions, how accurate are they, have they talked to him lately, how articulate right. are they with what they know, all of those things. So now we're not judging Aaron Rodgers, we're judging these guys, how well do we know these guys. Now I want to know what does Domofsky think of Jones and Kuhn <laughs> and what they're able to say and express, right? And it goes on and on and on. But again, then it goes back to you're going to own a little corner of corner the Corner of it, that's right. So everyone now, it's going to be Domofsky talking about those guys, then someone else is going to go give their opinion on what's going to happen. Right. Then fans not being able to differentiate between what is reporting and what is opinion, and it, it just goes on and on. And, and I'll also say that fans and media, to an extent, are to blame in some respects for us not knowing the players and not having a, a, a part with the players. And I'll say it for this reason. Because guys are afraid. Because anything they do is going to get, you know, Parse. we're going we're gonna to pummel. Parse it. Yeah. You know, w sometimes we're to blame, sometimes it's other outlets. Sure. but. Everyone's going to pummel, so they get so afraid of, well, I'm not going to show who I truly am or be honest, because then you guys are just going to crush me over it. It's and fair. I think Aaron Rodgers sort of you know, lives in that world of, I'm going to create a cocoon around me with my closest people, and mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk to media. I'm not going to show who I am outside of it. I'm not even going to speak on this story, because everybody's going to take it and run with it and do what they want with it. And that's, that's sort of... I think the American public and fans, sports fans in America, being the victim of this ballooning of all of these outlets and all of these places where you can go get information and opinion. Here's where I would say, and we've mentioned Domofsky's name a couple of times, good, good friend of mine, good colleague of mine, friend of, friend of our old show, he'll be a friend of the new show. Uh, a guy like that with institutional knowledge of the team who's been around for a long time remains invaluable even if he's not in the heart of, of the reporting, which he will be as much as anybody. But in terms of all of these pieces we've talked about, he's the guy that could put the puzzle together the best, put the right weight on Kuhn's thing, put the right weight on Jones's thing. Know how David Dunn operates. Know how Aaron Rodgers operates. Know how the front office operates. So if I'm looking for the person putting the puzzle together, somebody like Rob Domofsky on a story like this might not be breaking all of the pieces of it or owning all the corners of it. But in terms of giving me the big picture vision like he did with the piece he had up at ESPN the other day, which was like a fact about all of this stuff, frequently asked question kind of things, that's the perspective I'm looking for. Well, and so going back to the athletic and, and the stories up at Outkick right now about them trying to sell or at least have someone that's going to buy part of the company and partner with them because they're in trouble. Axios said no. New York Times said no. They're trying to find a willing partner. I love the athletic. I like the information there. I like a lot of the writers of the athletic. I think it's a valuable resource for sports journalism. Mm -hmm. But this goes back to the inherent problem with everything. Once you have that, and you have these acclaimed writers all in one spot, you have to pay those writers. And then the American sporting public has to care enough about reporting to go and be uh, a subscriber to something like that if it's going to work. But then the issue becomes, I want that to succeed. 
but it doesn't look like it's succeeding right now and may not succeed long term because they've yet to turn a profit and they've yet to give money back to their investors. So what happens if and when the athletic doesn't succeed? We're right back to where we're talking about now because all of those writers are going to go to their own individual sites, paulkoharski.com, or they're going to go somewhere else, and we're going to have a thousand different viewpoints or quote-unquote reports about an Aaron Rodgers story when it pops up instead of having a more central source with a lot of great writers and reporters in one spot. Well, I hope that we're not that close to the end of it. The thing that really hurt the athletic, which really hurt a lot of businesses, uh, and I mean, it hurt us at our old show, the pandemic. There were, there were no sports for a good segment of time, and people scaled back their subscriptions. The athletic was selling subscriptions for a dollar a month instead of for seven ninety nine a month or whatever it was. And, and, you know, people were canceling subscriptions to, to all kinds of services that weren't providing what they provided when they had their full boat of, of services available. Now, I think the athletic, I, I read the athletic more than I read anything. And I think uh, NFL draft coverage was phenomenal. I think, you know, Champions League coverage for me and my niche is phenomenal. Yankees, uh, Lindsey Adler, who covers the Yankees, is has done as much to revive my fervor for the Yankees as maybe anybody uh, to, to raise it back up to high levels. Uh, because God knows Gary Sanchez isn't doing his part. Um, so I hope there's time on the back end for them to get back to where they were headed before that dip hurt them and that they could survive that. A lot of businesses we know haven't, unfortunately. You know, restaurants and other things that relied on, on that kind of foot traffic. But, yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, the athletic seems, from a sports writer perspective, too good to be true. Well, it is, um, it is too good to be true because, I mean, you can blame the pandemic all you want. And that has, a, that, has, that has helped accelerate the process of having to get money now to turn money back to their investors and get a partner. But, Paul, they started in 2016. They've yet to turn a profit. That's three years pre-pandemic, four years pre-pandemic. They didn't turn a profit. So something's got to give. I mean, I love the principled stance of we're not going to have advertising, but there's a reason media companies sell advertising. It's to stay afloat and to employ people and turn a profit. And if they don't go in that direction or find a ton of money from someone else or a bigger brand they can siphon off of, it's going to be a problem. And I don't want to see that happen because I enjoy reading stories at The Athletic. I enjoy their writers. We'll see. I, I'm, I remain hopeful, and they're getting my money. Not trending in the right direction. We know no. we know that. Uh, here's here's hoping that we see some type of big investor or uh, ownership jump in uh, and and save that ship because it's going down as it sits right now. Coming up, we have a show review from Faith Kuharski, Paul's mom. Uh, so we're always entertaining. Very fitting that it's on Mother's Day weekend that we get the review of the show. I hadn't thought of that. I, I'm playing it slow like Schefter played the, uh, <laughs> the Packers uh, information. He saved it for draft day. I, uh, I didn't realize I'd save this for Mother's Day, but lo and behold, we had it on the docket. We haven't gotten to it. And I, Also, I, Paul, uh, earlier this week, ripped over his anonymous sourcing through scouting of uh, the, the Titans and Titans' decisions uh, to, to draft players. Um, there is an anonymous source from The Athletic 
that talks about Caleb Farley's medical background. I wonder if that guy's going to get ripped, the anonymous source. This is through Mike Sando. Straight ahead on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network coming up in about 15 minutes. VolQuest.com and the Tennessee Power Hour alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. We get a review from Paul's mom on the show coming up in a matter of minutes. But first, Mike Sando's review of the Tennessee Titans draft class. He did this for every team at the Athletic. We just mentioned how we support the Athletic because of reporting that we enjoy uh, Sando's one of those NFL writers uh, at TheAthletic.com, and he writes this about the Titans draft class. And this goes to the anonymous sources that Paul brought up with Rashad Weaver earlier this week. Five consecutive winning seasons across two coaching staffs have masked a poor run of early drafting for the Titans, a run execs think could, be, could worsen after Tennessee used its first-round pick for a corner with two back surgeries in his medical file. Quote, if the corner becomes a good player, God bless them. But his medical was terrible, an exec said. You look at the Isaiah Wilson pick last year, then you have Weaver in the fourth round this year with an assault case that comes out. Then you go back and look at all the fifth-year options that were declined. And the one they picked up was for Adoree Jackson, who they cut. There are a lot of mishaps there, and that seems like they just aren't being talked about. And then Sando goes on to say, it's all true, but with Ryan Tannehill's career revival helping Tennessee go 11-5 and last season, the Titans own the NFL's ninth best record in three seasons under Mike Vrabel. They go into another quote about Raidens, who they like, this, this general manager from around the league. And then the other quote here, going back to his, Raidens could play right tackle, but we were way more worried about Farley's back than some of the other injuries for guys in the first couple of rounds. That is the quote from the anonymous general manager in the NFL. By the way, I, uh, I tweeted on April 30th, execs slash coaches with three other teams told me their franchises medically cleared Caleb Farley. Small sample, but doesn't appear Titans were some sort of outliers in considering the quarterbacks back to be okay. Not a lot of people ripped me or came <laughs> after me when I had positive reviews That's of great the point. Titans with anonymous sources there. But when some knew about uh, Rashad Weaver's trouble, I got destroyed. So uh, it's interesting, uh, homers. Um, but uh, to, to Sando's point here, there's one GM that had issue with Caleb Farley's back. But here are three other teams that, that had him cleared. So we knew that some teams you know, had issues with it and others didn't. I mean, you can be medically cleared to play football and your medicals can still be bad. Like you could fit the baseline, like you, we've medically cleared him to participate in contact football, but yet a team could look at it and say, well, it's not good enough for us because there's still some issues there even though he's medically cleared. Now, I think these three teams were saying they were okay with drafting him in, in the first. And, that, and that's fine. Uh, Mike on Twitter says, it's funny because if Paul Koharski was still working at his previous employer, there'd be far less people questioning his reporting on this. Um, which I find funny because, Paul, you've been covering the Titans for how long? At multiple outlets? Since 1996. And you're still a part of PaulKarski.com, which you were with the previous employer well, also? Well, no, what he's saying well, is if I was at the zone, the people at the zone wouldn't be Oh yeah, quashing. Wouldn't have been. But, but all, I mean, 
separate topic for another day, but your your stance would probably be directed to be different also um, if you were still <laughs> at, a, at a previous employer. Well, that's and part be, of that's People part of would why be I'm getting uneasy in their chair if you were uh, reporting this, and that's why everything well, sounds exactly the same. We're being honest. There. That's part of why we're not there. I mean, I, the, the Rashad, Rashad Weaver stuff, it's... I just don't see anything in your report that's that. It's a good report. I don't see anything that's even shocking. I mean, I can understand if a Titans fan was, this is completely, uh, this contradicts everything the league would ever say. And you're the only one stepping out there and saying this. And I can't believe you clearly have an axe to grind with the Titans. And I've got an issue with this report. And you're making it up. And I don't believe you're anonymous sourcing it. What is hard to believe about the report that you sent out. Well, they don't that, understand. That teams may have known about a public arrest that was made the day before or may have known about something that multiple witnesses saw at a bar in a social media era? I, I'm shocked every team didn't know about it, quite honestly. Not just that the Titans didn't. No, these people don't every understand. Team should know this. These people don't understand that without the police filings being public until the day before, that a team could have investigated it well enough and talked to the player thoroughly enough to have had it come to light. And that's their low expectation of the Titans. We I have uh, plenty to get to and unpack with all of this in the coming days and weeks uh, with all of the Titans draft class, and we'll go through some, some other picks around the league as well. Uh, but we need to unpack Faith Koharski's yes. review of the show, the latest review of the show. I'm not sure how many shows she's she's watched, but every time that she does tune in to the show on YouTube, uh, Paul, she writes you at least a paragraph. Not every you, time. Not every time. But on Tuesday, she did take the time to write a little bit, and uh, you guys can breathe easy because uh, oh, the critique does okay. not really involve you. And All she right, doesn't I just, know. I just got a little bit easier in my chair now for the she, first time. She doesn't know Jakob or Lance, but I think this one's <laughs> directed towards them. On Tuesday. Uh, Late for her, 8.43 our time, 9.43 wow, our time. this kept her up at night. Yes, this kept her up. 86-year-old Faith wrote, I noticed that since Jonathan is in the middle, he always has a dark background. Chad, when the camera is on him alone, has part dark and part shelves behind him. You, on the other hand, when on camera alone, never have any dark background. Only something a mother would notice. Now, I went back at her and said how we both have part shelves, part uh, dark. But if you'll, uh, yeah, Jacob, use the uh, photos that I discussed with her as, okay. uh, as this conversation went on, she does have an interesting point. Here you'll see that I am uh, predominantly shelves behind me. But if you flip to Chad, predominantly wall behind Chad. This suggests a, a certain lack of symmetry. <laughs> and uh, I, we intentionally I trying to find the worst picture I of both would of say, us. To no, put they were there? just quick freeze frames okay. that I grabbed. Trust but, me, Lance has much, much worse uh, photos of us. No, I thought that she might have been talking he got, he a little me bit. Pantless last week. A little bit about the jacket that's still hanging behind Chad, where the master shirt was taken down behind me. But I do think that those are too dissimilar. If an 86-year-old woman is finding it, I loved more shelf behind me, but I do think there's. A lot going on in this area here, kind of growing out of my head, where Chad has none of that. Gentlemen, your comments to Faith. My thought is just 
why did you provide me these photos when just cutting between the cameras shows the exact same thing? It's <laughs> a really good point. I, I thought that's what we're going to do it now. If you'll show, then just go to the cameras, you'll see. Let's give an example. If you don't mind, Jacob, yeah, put, up the, photo, you could have put done. up the photo. I didn't know if you could of, handle that. Of I, I knew you'd be flustered. Photo of Chad and then the actual single shot. Okay, now, okay, now, now go, go to, to today's the live shot. view. <laughs> well, see, it's there moved a little bit since my mother was looking at it, so that's Chad, one your thoughts reason. on now go to mine. I look much better today than I do in that picture. That's my first thought. Now my actual and, and uh, my actual. That's my actual. And now go to my photo. It looks much better with the actual. It's 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 in high def. All right. Now address the subject at hand rather than the. Oh, uh, that's really good. The loophole. Paul made you work I, a little bit harder. I prefer, no I mean, reason. honestly, so the, the argument from Faith is that there's more of the dark background and less of the you. shelf with me. I'd prefer to have more of the shelf. So I'd love it if it was flipped or even if they got more of the shelf. Well, I, I, we brought this stuff in to be shown. So I want people to look at it. My yep. enemies list is going to go there soon, <laughs> and I want people to see it. So I'm, I'm fine with the setup the way it is, but right, I don't, I don't from know. These is, is she saying I'm in an advantage? Yeah, she thinks background? you're in an advantage. Lance, your thoughts? I don't think I'm in an advantage. Uh, I think that we favor the, the master's jacket a little bit. I mean, we could always uh. rearrange the cameras. I, I, I think you guys are fine. Like, I, I think I, he's put off by my mother. I'm sensing reason. he's put off. No, I'm not. I'm not, not you. Oh, no, 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 Lance, so no, no. We can rearrange for fans. No, I That'd think be he's fine. No, I'm not put off. Them all right now. <laughs> 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 so here, I, I mean, <laughs> Jacob's going to get busy here. He's going to uh, move Paul camera. Yeah, my camera. Wait till you see this shot. Watch. Here's my camera. I'm going to talk directly to my camera. <laughs> All right, Paul, now continue to talk off camera, please. Tell us, tell us yeah. what's going on. Well, they always said I had a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> well played by Jakob. Well done, Jakob. All right, continue with the review. That was it. That was it. That's it. That was the big thing. That's her one note. It's a one note review. I always gear up for something really bad every single time. Like, all right, this is the time I'm going to get hit. It's like when uh, David no, told David you to chimes in. It's like, what's he going to have I mean, there, with today? There's, I mean, I, I mean she's on record time, as not a fan of the This whole time, I thought that you know she was going to critique Jacob's T-shirt that said Satan's Grundle on it or something. No, hopefully she didn't see that. The, the yeah. wife of a Russian Orthodox priest probably would have an issue yeah, with she's, Satan's she's, Grundle. She's not, a, she's well, not uh, in favor. One, uh, Jehovah's Witness Massacre. Well, I should tell you guys, what did I say once? I, I was going to say, uh, I was going to put out shirts one time for PK.com that said, fueled by hate. And she was not a And fan. my mother saw that on Facebook, the proposal, and she reached out. She was like, yeah, I, I don't really think that's a good idea. I see your mom being more of the subtle instead of just outwardly yes. saying you're an idiot. More of the... <laughs> You think that's a good idea, huh? Kind of like Dennis Leary with me with the movies. You like that one, huh? Yeah. About uh, American Hustle, huh? You yeah, like but that? I can hear I can hear I can hear her tone when she texts me on that, and it's not it, good. It's the same as you're an idiot. Yeah. Bring Love your mom. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, Happy Mother's Day uh, to the happy wonderful, Mother's the Day, wonderful Faith, Faith Goharski. Um, coming up, Brent Hubs, Austin Price, VolQuest.com, the very latest from Knoxville, a jam-packed hour straight ahead on Outkick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.